Oh Allah, we ask you for the good of this life 
and the good of the hereafter and to save us from the hellfire. Allahumma inna nas'aluka khayra ma fi hadhal yawm fathahu wa nurahu wa nasrahu wa barakatahu wa huda wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma fi hadhal yawm wa sharri ma ba'da radhitu billahi rabba wa bil islam dina wa bi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyan wa rasula subhanallahi wa bihamdihi adada khalqihi wa rida nafsihi wa zinata arshihi ومداد كلماته سبحان الله وبحمده عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزينة عرشه ومداد كلماته سبحان الله وبحمده عدد خلقه ورضا نفسه وزينة عرشه ومداد كلماته ما أصبح بي من نعمة أو بأحد من خلقك فمنك وحدك لا شريك لك فلك الحمد ولك الشكر Alhamdulillah, thank you guys for joining me this morning. Um, inshallah, we're going to uh, read another chapter from the book, The 70 Laws of Virtue, The Untold Story of Prophet Yusuf salam. And if you don't have the book, you are seriously missing out. You can purchase the book from our website, rollthemasjid.com. Uh, and inshallah ta'ala, you will have your book uh, within uh, the next few days. We'll be reading today from law number 28 on page 139. Jealousy is a sign of love. Jealousy is a sign of love. So for those of you who have the book and you want to follow along by reading the book, you can turn to page 139. Right. All right. So the law here is that jealousy is a sign of love. And what I'm trying to do is to try to get us to reframe the way that we view emotions such as jealousy. Jealousy, when we hear it, especially in the Muslim community, it is oftentimes viewed as a negative trait or negative quality or a sign of insecurity. All right, that is the way that jealousy is usually viewed. However, jealousy is actually a sign of love. Jealousy, the root of jealousy is fear. All right. The root of jealousy is fear. So let me give you the Quranic reference here of where we are in the story of Yusuf. This is um, at the time when Yusuf was um, caught in the room with the wife of the Aziz, Zulekha. And when they opened the door, her, they found her husband there on the other side of the door. And um, she immediately accuses Yusuf of trying to seduce her, right? She says, uh, uh, he, uh, um, What is the punishment for someone who um, She said, what is the punishment for someone who tries to seduce your wife other than a severe punishment uh, or be to be put in prison or a severe punishment. And then Yusuf says to her, he nepsi. she is the one that tried to seduce me. All right. And then once they looked at the shirt, they saw the shirt was torn from the back. Rather than the Aziz holding his wife accountable, he kind of just turned a blind eye to it. Right. And he tells Yusuf, as Allah mentions in Surah number 12, Ayah 29, Yusuf will anhada. Yusuf, just forget about this. Turn away from it. 
innaki kunti min al And he turns to his wife and he says, you seek forgiveness from all, for your sin. Certainly it was your fault. So this shows us that he realized that his wife was the one that was at fault. His wife was the one that tried to seduce Yusuf. Now, any man who realizes that his wife tries to seduce another man in his home, right? He's not going to normally respond with that type of response. It's not going to be that type of, you know, that level of leniency, right? So that's the backstory of the ayah. You look at the, the Aziz, this is a powerful man, you know, this, his wife trying to seduce her slave boy in his house would be a, would be a badge of dishonor for him to go back in front of his constituents and, you know, have to be faced with, you know, the ridicule of his wife trying to seduce her slave boy in his house, right? It's the ultimate slap in the face. So rather than deal with his wife, he just kind of let it go, right? He let it go. And he tells Yusuf, just turn away from this. Don't, don't, don't pay, you know, don't, don't pay any mind. So in many Western societies, in many Western societies, men consider themselves secure in their manhood if they don't express a sense of jealousy over their women. All right. In, in our society, in our day and time, especially amongst Muslim, Muslim men, um, and it's not just here in America, right? It's not just here in America, I promise you. I lived in Saudi Arabia. I seen Muslim women, even in Saudi Arabia, come out with abayas on that open from the front, you know, sometimes with nothing on underneath the abaya other than her underwears. Yes, even in Saudi Arabia, I promise you. It happens. And her husband is walking right alongside of her. I kid you not. Yeah, Muslim women today in America who will wear skin tight overgarment, showing every single curve of her body. And her husband is walking right alongside of her. No care, no worries, no nothing. No shame, no embarrassment, no nothing. And when confronted, the man will say, well, you know, I'm secure in my manhood. You know, I'm not I'm not worried about, you know, nobody taking my girl. I'm not worried about nobody trying to talk to my I'm not worried about that because that's a sign of security. Right. That's a sign of security in Western. Ideology. So in many Western societies, men consider themselves secure in their manhood if they don't express a sense of jealousy over their women. This is especially true in environments where women have all but liberated themselves from traditional norms, such as modesty and shyness, morality, decency, you know, dignified behavior, right? In which they have left nothing to the imagination. So that look at how that begins to affect women within the Muslim community. You know, this liberation from traditional norms like shyness, modesty, you know, those are antiquated. These are antiquated qualities that were for women of the past. These new age women, right? We don't we don't necessarily have to adorn ourselves with those type of behaviors because we're liberated from social norms. We're liberated from traditional norms. 
That has even trickled over into the Muslim community. However, in the Islamic tradition, it is admirable for a man to exhibit a sense of jealousy over, for men to exhibit a, a sense of jealousy over their women. Such a quality is seen as a sign of masculinity and an indication of their protective nature that is aligned with the description that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives of men in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes men in the Quran as overprotective, guarding over their women. That's the way that we are described. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the very famous ayah that men love to quote when they want to exert authority over the woman in a very abusive way, will say, Men are the protectors and maintainers of women, right? That's only when you want to dominate you know, the conversation. That's only when you want to be the authority. That's only when you want your wife to feel inferior. You understand? That's, that's only used in that case. Meanwhile, that ayat indicates, has other indicators. And one of them is that as a man, there should be a sense of jealousy over protection over your woman and how she you know, conducts herself when she leaves out of the home. As a matter of fact, your wife should be able to feel your sense of jealousy, your sense of overprotectiveness, and act accordingly. You shouldn't have to address your wife about how she dresses when she leaves out of the home because she should already be aware. She should already be aware of how you feel about how she dresses when she leaves out of the home. And as a result of her love and respect for you, she conducts herself accordingly. What is known, al-ma'ruf la yu'arraf. Something that is known doesn't have to be spoken. If it's already understood how I feel, then I don't have to say it. Al-ma'ruf la yu'arraf. But this is, jealousy is seen as a quality of masculinity. I, wanna, I want us to kind of just re- revisit this and, and, and revisit our understanding of qualities like jealousy, right, overprotectiveness. Be, the absence of that doesn't make you more of a man. It actually makes you more of a cuckold. Telling your wife yes to everything makes you more of a cuckold. And brothers, let me give you, let me give you a little bit of advice. Women, no matter how much they hate the word no, they actually love the word no. No matter how much they dislike it, no matter how much a woman being uh, hates being told no, it is a sign of respect that she has for you as a man when you do say no. Because it shows that you actually care. It shows that you are actually concerned. And so while a woman may walk away like, she goes and jumps on the phone and says, Salaam alaikum, man, my husband ain't, you know my husband ain't letting me go out at this time at night. You know my husband ain't letting me. You know, and while she says that with a with a hint of disdain, deep down inside, she knows that that no came from a place of love. You understand? She knows that that no came from a place of love and a place of concern, not from a place of insecurity, because some men say no because they are insecure. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the no 
That comes from a place of love. Jealousy is a sign of love. Jealousy is a sign of love. And so some men misconstrue that disdain that women have for no. And so they think, well, I'm just going to tell my wife yes to everything, you know, just to make her happy. Telling her yes to everything does not make her happy. It makes her insecure because she is never given cues from you as a man that you actually give a damn. You're not giving her the cues that you actually care. So it makes her feel insecure. Like this dude will tell me yes to everything. My husband never tells me no. Any women here like that? Tell me, how does that make you feel deep down inside that your husband never tells you no? He tells you yes to everything. And in his mind, he thinks that makes him more secure. In his mind, he thinks, yeah, that makes me more of a man, the more, you know, I'm more secure in who I am. I don't tell my wife no for nothing, you know. Meanwhile, deep down inside, she's questioning whether or not you really love her. You understand? That's the irony. While you tell her yes because you think that makes you secure, every time she hears yes from you and no, no, she's starting to question whether or not you actually even care. It makes her more insecure. She's never going to say that to you. A woman is never going to admit that to you as a man because then she would be admitting her own insecurity. Women don't do that. A woman's not going to tell you outright. I mean, if you figure it out as a man, if you are able to put your finger on it, then, you know, najahd, you know what I mean? Like you, you were successful, but a woman is not going to tell you like, you know, I'm insecure because you don't tell me no. You know, she's not going to tell you that. But in the back of her mind, she's thinking like, why does this guy tell me yes to every single thing? On one occasion, I want you to listen to this. On one occasion, Prophet Muhammad was talking with some of his companions. These are men having a conversation amongst themselves. All right. So the collector of this hadith, the narrator of this hadith is kind of giving us an insight to the conversation amongst men. And from amongst those men that are having this conversation is Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I want you to pay attention to this conversation. I mean, like this conversation can be unpacked, but we don't have the time to do that today. But I would love for a group of sisters to take this hadith and unpack this hadith. I would love for a group of brothers to take this hadith and do an entire lecture series on unpacking this hadith. It, there's so much this hadith is so loaded with discussions and conversations, right? On one occasion, Prophet Muhammad was talking with some of his companions. And he said, if a man enters upon his wife and finds something unusual, i.e. another man with his wife, then he should take four witnesses for himself before accusing her of infidelity. This is the Prophet statement. He's coming with that. You know, this is the religion, right? This is the Sharia. This is the legislative Islamic ruling. He's giving you the foundation. But he's talking to men that, you know, this kind of doesn't sit right with some of the Sahaba. 
So wait a minute, let me ask, let me, let me get this straight. You saying if a man walks into his house and there's another man in the house with his wife, before I accuse of a, any of anything, I need to have four witnesses. That's what you're telling me. All right. So the Prophet said, if a man enters upon his wife and finds something unusual, i.e., another man with her, then he should take four witnesses for himself before accusing her of infidelity. So one of the companions, Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, who was from the Ansar, conflicted by the Prophet he felt some type of way, like as a man. We're, we're, he's not disputing the Islamic ruling. He's not disputing the Islamic ruling. What he is conflicted about is how the Islamic ruling is checking his that masculinity, that male dominating side that every single one of us have when it comes to our women. That jealousy, that overprotectiveness. And so Sa'id ibn Mu'ad, conflicted by the Prophet Sallallahu statement, he turns to the Prophet Sallallahu and he says, O Messenger of Allah, if I enter upon my wife and found another man with her, am I really supposed to wait until I gather four witnesses before I decide to take action? He said, La wallahi, no by Allah, the one who sent you with the truth. I swear by Allah who sent you with the truth. If I saw a man with my wife, I would sever his head from his body with my sword. You understand? If I walk in my house, I know that's what Islam says, but I'm telling you what my male ego dictates. If I walk into my house and I see another man in my house with my wife, Without question, I'm going to sever his head from his body. Without question. I'm not asking who, I'm not asking the five W's, who, what, when, where, why, how. I will sever his head from his body. He said, I would strike him with my sword and then let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do with me whatever he wills. SubhanAllah, I want you to listen to that statement, man. That's not him disputing the legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not him disregarding the Prophet sallallahu He's speaking from a place of a man, the jealousy of a man. No man is going to sit there and say, wait right here. Let me go out and get four witnesses so four witnesses can witness this. Like, <laughs> no. I walk into my house immediately, my male dominating side, my ego overtakes, and I'm going to sever his head from his body and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do, let God do with me what he wills. You understand? He said, let Allah do with me whatever he wills. So the Prophet wasallam, smiling at Sa'ad's jealousy, Right? The Prophet Sallallahu said, Ayyu'jibukum ghayrat sa'ad. He said, does Sa'ad's jealousy amaze you all? Like, are you all amazed at what Sa'ad said? Right? He said, are you all amazed at this? Does this surprise you? The statement of Sa'ad? He said, wallahi, wallahi, I'm even more jealous than Sa'ad. 
This is the Prophet Sallallahu Here again, this is the male, that male dominating side. Even the Prophet Sallallahu is saying, although that is Islam, I'm even more jealous than him. Meaning if Saad said that he would sever this man's head from his body, and I'm more jealous than him, I would probably do the same or even worse. <laughs> You understand? He said, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even more jealous than I am. Meaning, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jealous of? Because this is a concept that many Muslims misconstrue, misunderstand. Many Christians misconstrue and misunderstand. I, I listened to an um, um, a interview with Oprah Winfrey. And she said that she heard a pastor say that God is a jealous God. And she said it was in that moment that she realized that she could not serve God. She could not worship a God who had emotions like human beings because jealousy is a sign of weakness. This was Oprah's words. Jealousy is a sign of weakness. And I can't bring myself to worship a God who is weak, who has a quality of jealousy like we, that, which is a weakness. SubhanAllah. Christians have the concept, God is a jealous God. They have that concept in their, in their traditions, right? We have a similar tradition. The Prophet ﷺ said, are you amazed at the jealousy of Sa'ad? He said, Wallahi, I'm even more jealous than Sa'ad, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even more jealous than I am. God's jealousy, understand, God's jealousy is not like the human being's jealousy. God's jealousy is not going to make him oppressive. God's jealousy is not going to make him oppress one of his creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's jealousy, meaning Allah does not, when Allah legislates something that is haram, when God states something is a boundary, don't cross that boundary. And when we cross that boundary, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased with us. He's displeased with us. But when Allah draws a line, puts a boundary up, this is haram, don't touch this, don't touch that, right? Because those are things that he has made sacred. This is what the word haram means. When something is haram, that means it's sacred. It should not be touched, right? And in many instances, haram for our own well-being, for our own well-being as human beings. As we talk, as I talked in the khutbah Friday about zina, about fornication and adultery, this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram. Should not be touched. So much so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, wala taqrabu zina. Don't even come close to it. Don't teeter. He didn't say teeter. He said, don't even come close to it. Now, when the human being comes close to it, how does that infringe on that human being's relationship with God after God told you? I mean, think about you as a parent and you tell your child, don't touch this. This is for dinner. Fried some chicken, fried some, you know, whatever. Um, and it's leftovers. Don't touch it because that's for dinner tonight. You've now made that thing sacred in your home. And then you 
have one of your children, especially the teenage children, go in and take it upon themselves and eat it anyway. Dinner time come, you go pull the chicken out, out of the refrigerator and half of it is gone because they've been digging in it all day long. It violated. They violated. Because you told them not to touch it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's jealousy and the jealousy of the human being first, our problem, the, the, the reason why Oprah made that comment was because her understanding, much like many of us, our understanding of jealousy is that it is a, a sign of insecurity, a sign of weakness. When in fact, jealousy is a sign of love. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved us enough to set certain boundaries in our human experience so that we do not transgress for our own good. For our own good. He put these boundaries in place for our own good. So God's jealousy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's jealousy is nothing like our jealousy. Our jealousy is not even considered a weakness because it is rooted in fear. It's rooted in love. It's, it's a matter of you know perspective. By Allah, I am even more jealous than Sa'ad, and Allah is even more jealous than I am regarding his prohibitions. These are things that should not be touched. So after finding his wife alone with Yusuf, the, the Aziz did not confront her about it initially, even though this behavior was beneath a woman of her caliber. It was more embarrassing than anything else since her husband was the most powerful man was one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. Instead, he kindly instructed her to seek Allah's forgiveness and requested that Yusuf not mention this situation to anybody. Yusuf added on hadha. Don't mention this to anybody. Keep this between us. He told his wife, you seek forgiveness. And that was it. No man is going to open a door, find his wife in, in, in lingerie and find her in, how, in his house with another man and just walk away from that situation. Some scholars mentioned that that cuckoldom was a common characteristic of men in the Egyptian society during that time. Others assert that Allah removed the jealousy from the heart of the Aziz in that moment. So instead of reacting in that moment, uh, the way that a man who was overprotective of his wife would have normally reacted, he excused. Yusuf and pardoned his wife without incident. So some scholars say that um, insecurity uh, was a common characteristic of men in Egypt during that time. Meaning, if a man found his woman in a in a very you know unsavory situation, he's not going to confront her. All right, you have some societies where women are more dominant than men. And you have some societies where men are more dominant than women, all right? You take, for example, a lot of European countries and Britain in the UK and some of those, Russia, you know, those type of environments, the men are way more dominant than the women. They're, they're far more dominant than women. Uh, as a matter of fact, many of the men from the European countries, they see us as American men as weak. And the fact that uh, homosexuality is rampant, especially amongst African-American men. Um, 
it doesn't make us look any more masculine in the eyes of men from other countries either. <laughs> they definitely are losing respect for uh, men in America. They don't even consider us masculine. So we have to, you know, and you don't, you would never know this until you travel the world, you go to other parts of the world and you see how people view people from America. We think here living in America, we, we the end all be all, but you go to other countries and you find that people have zero respect for us. They, you know, not individually, but as a people. Anyway. In many instances, jealousy is not a sign of insecurity. Jealousy is not a sign of insecurity, but in fact, a sign of love. Jealousy is an emotion predicated on the fear of losing something that one covets for themselves or the fear that emanates as a result of someone competing with them for something or someone that they believe is exclusively theirs. And so when a spouse displays this type of jealousy or overprotectiveness, it is usually makes the other person feel valid and valued. Jealousy is an emotion that is predicated on fear, on the fear of losing something that one covets, that one believes that is, is they, are, they have exclusive rights to that thing. So it's a fear of losing that thing. That's what jealousy is. So when a woman is jealous over her husband, it's not that she's insecure. She is afraid of losing something that she believes is exclusively hers. Women are territorial by nature. Women are territorial by nature. A lioness what doesn't mind if a lion sleeps with another lioness, but he would not be able to bring that lioness into his into his cup and until his herd, uh, until you know his family. And if she saw him being intimate with another lioness, she would definitely attack him and attack her. They're territorial. Women are territorial by nature. So when a woman displays this quality, a characteristic of jealousy, we as men tend to be turned off by it because we see it as a sign of insecurity. Like, oh man, you mad insecure. You need to step your game up. You need to, you know, right? It's not a sign of insecurity. It's a sign of fear. She's afraid of losing something that she believes is exclusively hers. She doesn't want to lose something that she believes is hers, or she doesn't want someone competing with her in something that she believes is hers. So when you adjust your understanding of jealousy, you can see the person who is exuding the behavior of jealousy, you can see them in a different light, in a positive light, a more healthy light, rather than being dismissive, because that's what we tend to be when we see a person being jealousy. We see a person being jealous, we tend to be very dismissive. We write it off as some insecurity, deep insecurity that you are suffering from and you need to go figure that out. When in fact, the person is exuding that type of behavior because they are afraid of losing you. They are afraid of you know someone else competing with you, competing with them in something that they consider theirs. And I mean, keep in mind, jealousy varies in terms of extreme, you know, intensity. It varies. Yes, and and if a person is not jealous, that's a problem. 
My wife said to me, the day that I am no longer jealous of you is the day that I no longer love you. As a man in polygyny, you tend to think that being married to multiple women, that at some point, these women that you are married to, they kind of get over their jealousy. It's like we've been married for you know 15 years, 20 years in polygyny, and you're still jealous. Like, when do you ever get over it? They never give up. They never get over it. Because their jealousy is attached to their love for you. And the moment she is no longer jealous of you is the moment she's, she no longer loves you. I promise you. And that's also for women to understand that there is not something inherently wrong with you because you are jealous. Obviously, everything, <laughs> everything in due proportion, right? You know, obviously there's an extreme to everything. Extreme jealousy obviously would be a sign of insecurity because it's no longer about love. It's no longer about fear. It's now trying to satisfy some insecurity, some invalidation that you are fear, feeling, fearing from the inside. There is a deep insecurity within you. And so as a result of that, it begins to you know, express itself in a way that becomes very extreme. You understand? So in many instances, jealousy is not a sign of insecurity, but in fact, a sign of love. Jealousy is an emotion predicated on the fear of losing something that one covets for themselves or the fear that emanates as a result of someone competing with them for something or someone they believe is exclusively theirs. And so when a spouse displays this type of jealousy or overprotectiveness, it usually makes the other person feel valid and valued. Goes back to the thing that I mentioned at the very beginning. When a person expresses or displays this type of jealousy, it makes the other person feel valued, right or wrong. When your spouse shows this type of, you know, overprotectiveness and jealousy, it makes you feel valid and valued, right or wrong. I'll wait, right or wrong. And this goes for men and women. This goes for men and women. When a man sees that his wife is very overprotective of him, right, he feels like, wow, this woman, you know, the claws come out when she senses that another woman is, you know, and some men, we are, we can be very oblivious. Some men, we could be very oblivious as it relates to how women approach. You know, we, we think it's, we think it's cute. We think it's, it's harmless, but your wife is sitting there looking at the situation like, nah, you, you, you treading on my territory. You are treading on my territory. You're trampling on my territory. And so the claws come out. And while we're like, yo, dad, you need to chill. Like, why are you so insecure? It's like, no, she's not being insecure. She's protecting what's hers. She's protecting what she believes is hers. What, what you have given her cues that you are hers. You've told her that. And so she's protecting that. She's guarding that. So on one occasion, the Prophet I'm almost done here. On one occasion, the Prophet was riding with some of his companions. I want to give you 
a picture. I want to give you a screenshot of what jealousy looks like in real time. And that when a woman knows that her husband is overprotective of her, you he doesn't have to tell, he doesn't have to tell her that. She can sense it and she acts accordingly. You don't have to spell it out to her. When a woman senses that her husband is jealous over her or overprotective of, over her, he does not have to spell that out. She acts accordingly. She maneuvers through the earth. She maneuvers through the world. She navigates her world based upon the understanding that my husband, if he was standing right here, he would not be cool with that. He doesn't have to express that to her. It's already understood. On one occasion, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was riding with some of his companions. And he noticed Aisha, bint, uh, uh, Asma, bint Abi Bakr, walking alone. Asma was the half-sister of Aisha. This is Abu Bakr's other daughter, right? She's actually older than Aisha. She's Aisha's older sister. And she was married to the Prophet Wasallam's cousin, Az-Zubair ibn Awam. So as the Prophet Wasallam and some of his companions are riding you know, on their camels, through the city, he noticed Asma walking. And she's carrying a bushel of fruits and vegetables from the garden that she shared with Zubair on her head. As Zubair ibn Awam was the Prophet's first cousin by way of his aunt Sophia. Sophia and Abdullah, the Prophet's father, were brother and sister. So that means that Az Zubair and the Prophet were first cousins. All right. So Esma was not only his cousins, his first cousin's wife, he was also the, she was also his sister-in-law and was also the daughter of his best friend. So there's, there's a rapport there. There's a connection there. So it shouldn't be nothing unusual, shouldn't be nothing uncomfortable here. So she was not some strange woman in the community whose rejection of the Prophet Wasallam's assistance would have been justified. Watching Esma struggle to carry the fruits and vegetables back to her house, the Prophet ﷺ offered her to ride on his camel, which she respectfully declined. The Prophet ﷺ pulls up on Esma and says, hey, you know, I see you carrying all of this stuff on your head. Why don't I get off my camel? You get on my camel and then you can ride my camel, you know, back to, to your house. You know, let me make it, make it easy on you. Pay attention to how this unfolds. Very simple gesture, very innocent gesture, nothing there. This is the Prophet She's his sister-in-law. He's married to her sister. He's also best friends with her father, right? Married to his cousin. She's not a stranger. The Prophet said, hey, get on my camel. I'll get off my camel. You get on my camel and you ride it to your house. Asma said, no, thank you respectfully. No, thank you. In that moment, in that moment, Esma, she realized that taking that ride, although a convenience for her, would have been an inconvenience for her husband. You understand? This is a woman who's conscious, aware. She understands boundaries. Unlike some women who would take in the ride and then justified it. Well, it was the Prophet Sallallahu You know, I was tired. I was carrying all this stuff on my head without even thinking about how, here again, justifying the action, 
without validating the emotion. Right? Esma cited her husband's sense of jealousy as the number one reason while her shyness of being the only woman surrounded by men being the second. So not only was it her husband's jealousy that she was worried about, but she was also modest and shy. Here's the Prophet Sallallahu all of these men around, I, I feel very uncomfortable. You know. So the next time, sisters, you in a situation, remember this story. Don't take the ride. Avoid the ride. <laughs> Don't take the ride. This is principle before personality. I don't care who's offering it to you. My principles come first. When she got home, she explained to Zubair what happened, right? And here again, this is the transparency in a marriage. The transparency in a marriage in that I'm going to share with you something that happened to me today out and about because God forbid you hear it from somebody else before you heard it from me. This is transparency in a marriage. Because if you live in a community, it's only a matter of time before that narrative gets back to your spouse. So it's always good to just be transparent, even when you don't have to be. That builds trust in a relationship. And this is especially true for men and women who are in polygyny. Transparency all the time. Because sometimes Shaitan works through people. And Shaitan will whisper, you know, something to someone and that someone will mention it to your spouse or mention it to you, and now there's a problem. You understand? Always being transparent. She came home and immediately she mentioned to her husband what happened. God forbid you hear that from somebody else and they put their own spin on it. So I'll be the first one to give you the narrative. Whereas in, in our time today, we'll will remain closed mouth about what happened and then your spouse hears it from somebody else and then you got to explain that that's not how it happened when in fact you were actually in control of the narrative had you just been transparent about it from the very beginning you understand you were in control of the narrative when you let somebody else tell your narrative now you got to go in and clean up now you got to go in and say, no, that's not how it happened. That's not what happened. Well, you had an opportunity to tell her what happened or tell him what happened before anybody else got to the narrative, before anybody else got a chance to tell the narrative. You understand? Be transparent. So when she got home, she explained to Zubair what happened and Zubair's response he said, well, Rasulillahi ugar. He said, would I be jealous of the Prophet? Rasulillahi ugar? Would I be jealous of the Prophet? Then you should have took the ride. He's telling his wife, you should have took the ride. The point here is that the loyalty that she had. <laughs> to the love of her husband, which was expressed through jealousy. The point here is the loyalty she had to the love of her husband, which was expressed through his handed jealousy. In the Islamic tradition, the act of not showing jealousy is seen as a deficiency in one's manhood. 
not showing jealousy, not showing overprotectiveness over your wife, over your wife is seen as a deficiency, a nuqs firujula. It is a deficiency in your manhood, much less a sign of indifference, which is the opposite of love. The opposite of love is indifference, not hate. At least hate is still an emotion. Indifference, I don't care one way or another. The opposite of love is indifference. The Prophet said that there are three people who will never enter into paradise. Pay attention to this. There are three people who will never enter into paradise. The man who lacks jealousy for his wife, the youth. The woman who resembles a man. The woman who resembles a man. And this is not just in dress. Al-mar'atu tushabbihu bil-rijal. A woman who resembles a man. That does not just mean in dress, but also in attitude and also in the energy. And unfortunately, the more, and I'm going to say this, the more fem feminized men become, the more masculine, by default, the more masculine women become. That's a fact. Say that again. The more effeminate men become, the more masculine, by default, the more masculine women become. That's a fact. Why? The more effeminate men become, the more masculine women become, by default. Because it is a woman's nature, it is a woman's nature to gravitate towards masculine energy. That's why the alpha male, when he walks into a room, immediately he gets the attention of every single woman in the room. Doesn't matter how good he looks, doesn't matter what he looks like. The moment the alpha male walks into a room, he grabs the attention of every female in the room. It doesn't matter how he looks. It's just the energy that he exudes. It's the energy that he exudes when he walks into a room. The sad thing about that is when a masculine man walks into a room today, he gains the attention of the men. The women kind of look at him in disdain. Who does dude think he is? He ain't all that. It's actually the opposite. Dudes are now looking at you like, you know, you know, fanboying over you. He's a fanboy. He, oh, you know, trying to get over there. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Rapper walks into a club. He goes to the VIP section. The girls don't even care about him no more. It's the dudes trying to get to the VIP section. Dudes trying to get to the VIP section, trying to be around him, trying to, like, this is where we are today. Guy walked into a room exuding that masculine, male-dominant energy, and he walks into a room, all the dudes is fanboying. Walking over to him, yo, what's up, what's good, man, trying to get close to you, jealous when you don't show them attention. That's a fact. Look how jealous dudes get when you don't show them no attention. They start acting like women. I kid you not. And the women 
start to look at you like, you know, this dude think he all that. I'm I'm more of a, a boss than he is. The woman trying to compete with you and the men trying to get close to you. That's a fact. I kid you not. It's sickening, man. It is sickening. Assalamu alaikum jabber, mashallah. It's the same way in the Muslim community too, believe it or not. It's the same way in the Muslim community, I kid you not, amongst the brothers. Same way in the Muslim community amongst the brothers, I kid you not. This imam walk in, this sheikh walk in, this, you know, you fanboying. I'm a fan. You don't, you don't show this brother attention. You don't shake this brother's hand. You don't give this brother salams like you known him all your life. He walk away feeling like, oh, man, this dude think he all that. Oh, this dude's arrogant. Man, stuff for the law. The scholars don't act like this. Like, man, sit down somewhere. Sit down. Like, are you serious? Are you serious? Because <laughs> he didn't give you the salams because he didn't hug you and he didn't make you feel like y'all been best friends your whole life. This is where we at, man. This is where we at. SubhanAllah, man. I've literally seen this with my own eyes, man. I've literally seen this with my own eyes. Anyway, moving right along, the Prophet said, there are three people who will never enter into paradise. The man who lacks jealousy for his wife, a day youth, the woman who resembles a man, Right, so sisters, always be mindful of the energy that you are exuding. By default of men becoming more effeminate, it forces you to become more masculine. Not more masculine, but to exude, right? To exude masculine energy. So as a woman, you have to constantly be aware of the energy that you're giving off. Because that's a turnoff to many men, especially a man who doesn't, I just had this conversation with my wife in the car yesterday. Uh, we were listening to a clip where um, I forget, I forgot who said it. Uh, and oh, it was um, James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni. We were listening to this clip on Instagram. James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni was having a conversation. And, and Nikki Giovanni said to James Baldwin, you know, why is it that a black woman, you know, can't be with a black man when he becomes successful? Every time a black man becomes successful, he has to have a white woman or a woman that is not black. She said, you know, look at me or look at you like we could never be together, you know, and she's, you know, and she was spitting straight facts, man, because it's that's real. And so I turned to my wife and I said, well, you know, one of the reasons why I think that that can't happen is because when a black man, when a black woman reaches a level of success, in order to get to that, because this is a man's world, it's quickly becoming a woman's world, but it is a man's world, right? Down to the temperature in corporate buildings, they set the temperature based upon the degrees that how men's body is affected by the temperature. That's a fact. It's a, it's a male-dominated world. Quickly changing, but for the for the most part, it's a male-dominated world. So that means that if a woman wants to climb the corporate ladder, a woman wants to be in that high space, rubbing shoulders with men that are at those high places, there's a certain type of masculine energy she has to exude. 
although she wears high heels, although she wears, you know, whatever she wears, you know, she still has to exude a type of masculine energy because it's a male dominated environment. And so she got to get in there and she got to do what she got to do. And then, but once she reaches that place, what man is going, what black man, <laughs> you know, heterosexual alpha, you know, alpha black man is going to be able to stand alongside of her. He's not. And my wife said, well, why not? I said, well, she said, it's as if you're saying that that space is only for, for the man. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the energy that she exudes, no man, no alpha male is going to be able to be okay with that. You understand? No alpha male is going to be able to, you know, to, to be okay with that. So this is why once a black woman becomes successful, she either marries down, she marries a man who is more docile, has less than her, because he's the only type of man that will be able to tolerate that, that type of energy, or she'll marry a man from another culture. But she will never marry an alpha male, black male, she will never marry him, because he would never be able to be okay with that. Black male dominating energy, he's not going to tolerate somebody challenging him in that. And so as a woman, I'm, I'm not blaming women. I'm saying by default of men becoming more effeminate, it forces women to be more masculine and to exude more masculine energy. So what I'm saying that as a woman, you have to be mindful of the type of energy you are putting out when you are in a room, when you are in an environment. Because male dominant, masculine men, are, they don't want to be. They don't want to be competed with by another man, much less a woman. You understand? And I'm not even saying that you have to be submissive. I'm just saying just be aware, just be conscious of the energy that you are putting out. When you start to see that, you know what I mean? Like you moving like a man, and you 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 know you're giving off the type of energy like men give off because you had to to be in that in, in that environment, then you have to wonder why, you know, these men are not checking for you. These men are not coming after you. And while you, in order for you to be in a relationship, you would have to marry down or you would have to marry out, you know, outside of your race boundary. That's a fact. Suffice it to say, it was a great conversation. And my wife, she, she you know, she kind of saw my point afterwards. It wasn't that I was saying that that space is only reserved for men, that space is only reserved for a certain type of energy, regardless of gender. That's, that's the point that I was making. So she has to be mindful, like, whoa, am I, I can, I can see I'm giving off this, this type of energy. I need to be mindful of that. You know, so in ending, um, there are three types of people who will not enter paradise. Uh, the man who lacks jealousy for his wife, the youth, the woman who resembles a man, and the excessive, the excessive drinker of alcohol or any intoxicants. So the companions of the Prophet they said, we know who the excessive drinker is. But what is a day youth? What is a day youth? And the Prophet said that the youth is a man who does not care about who enters upon his wife. 
if you're okay with your wife going to dinner with her, you know, her friends from high school and it's, you know, guys, if you're a friend, you're okay with your wife having, you know, dinner with her boss and it's just him. If you're okay with your wife riding in a car, her boss is going to give her a ride home. You know, one of her male friends is going to give her a ride home. You know, this is a day youth. You don't care about the type of company that your the type of male company that your wife keeps. You don't care about it. You're totally okay with that. And so a woman who knows, you know, who knows that her husband has this level of overprotectiveness and jealousy, then she should do her best not to put herself in those situations. Now, provided as a businesswoman, maybe there are times when you have to be in some of these spaces, but you cushion that. So, for example, if you have to go into an office or whatever, then you have your husband on speakerphone. You have your husband on speakerphone. My husband is listening in on the conversation. My husband is on speaker, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm having a conversation. I'm having a business meeting with this man, but my husband is on speakerphone. Or my husband is on FaceTime. Put FaceTime on, put shut your phone up right here where your husband can actually see the conversation. This is a woman who respects her husband's jealousy and overprotectiveness. So she, although she knows because of her business that sometimes she has to end up in certain spaces, then she includes her husband in that out of respect for him, out of respect for his overprotectiveness. If you're in a store and you know there's a guy at the counter or whatever the case may be, then you just call your husband on the speaker. So while you're doing conducting business with the guy behind the counter, you're talking to your husband on the phone. So you don't give that man any indication that there's no man in your life. You're actually on the phone, on the speaker phone, talking to your husband. You understand? She finds a way. I'm, I'm just throwing some examples out there, but you find a way to offset that. You, found a, you find a way to offset the situation, to cushion the situation. What, what was the question? Uh, what about if she only operates in the masculine and work? But other parts of her life, she's feminine. She still got to marry down or out of the cold. I'm not saying that she has to. I'm saying that women in those situations usually do. I'm not saying she has to marry down. I'm saying she usually will marry down because she'll realize that the man in that same bracket, in that professional bracket, is not going to marry somebody that exudes the same energy. Men like to feel like they are the king of the jungle. They like to feel like they are, you know, the, you know, an anomaly in that space. You understand? So I'm not saying that she has to marry down. I'm saying that nine times out of 10, she usually does because she's feel like she's not getting any attention from her constituents on the, on the same level. So while many men pride themselves on being secure in their emotional fortitude by exhibiting signs of indifference, it actually indicates a lack of love and value of one's spouse. Jealousy in the context of being fearful and overprotective of the things and or people we covet is a sign of love. Perhaps our fear of vulnerability as men hinders us from true expressions of love 
within the construct of our relationships, which has become more about the opportunities we can create for ourselves rather than the experiences that we are giving those with whom we are in the relationship. Woo. We can have a whole conversation about that, that sentence right there. Let me say that again. Perhaps our fear of vulnerability as men hinders us from true expressions of love within the construct of our relationship, which unfortunately has become about more about the opportunities we can create for ourselves than the experiences we are given the people that we, that we are in a relationship with. So what I'm saying is that sometimes the indifference that we see from men in relationships is more about their lack of ability to be vulnerable and have true expressions of love in a relationship. We just don't know how to be vulnerable. Some of us as men don't know how to be vulnerable. And so therefore, the true expressions of love that come as a result of vulnerability are non-existent. It seems as if the Aziz was more concerned with keeping a tight wrap on the situation rather than expressing in the moment what any man would have been concerned with, and that was the fidelity of his wife. Albeit Allah did not capture the entire engagement, but the Aziz's initial response seemed to be premised on preserving the reputation of his household than it was about his own manhood. He was more concerned with Yusuf, keep this between us, don't tell nobody else about it, more concerned about protecting the reputation of his household rather than his own manhood. And although he asked Yusuf to speak nothing of the situation to anyone, news of Zulaikha's escapade managed to escape the margins of their secrecy until the women of high society begin to speak about it amongst themselves. When a woman knows that her husband is protective of her, it makes her feel valued and complements her sense of self-worth because anything that is worth having is worth protecting. Love is expressed through our ability to be vulnerable. As a matter of fact, love is the greatest vulnerability. Do you understand? I'm speaking to the men. When a woman knows that her husband is overprotective of her, it makes her feel valued and it complements her sense of self-worth. Because anything that is worth having is worth protecting. Love is expressed through our ability to be vulnerable. As a matter of fact, love is the greatest vulnerability. And I end this chapter with a quote, as I do with every chapter, it is the privilege of those who fear love to murder those who fear it not. It is the privilege of those who fear love to murder those who fear not. 70 Laws of Virtue. If you don't have this book, you are missing out. You can order the book today from our website, www.rollthemasjid.com rollthemasjid.com. Take a listen. Um, I uh, All of the recordings, I usually will, um, um, 
I usually post it on my YouTube page. You can go to my YouTube page, uh, Shadid Muhammad, on YouTube. I'll upload it, most of the conversations to YouTube. You can also go to um, any of the Apple podcasts. You can go to anchor.com and you can find the Maradia Show. And I upload all of the audios to the Maradia Show. Uh, so you can go there and take a listen as well. All right, a couple minutes uh, before I close, if there were any questions or comments about what was presented. 